Festival Harvest um, next Sunday is a big Sunday, and it's a big Sunday because why? What Sunday is it? It's Easter Sunday that's coming next weekend, and that means that uh, if I could say it this way, we are kind of standing on the banks overlooking Easter Sunday on this particular Sunday today, and the resurrection is all about the redeeming work and power of Jesus Christ. And uh, man, for centuries in the Old Testament, uh, the Lord had said that there would be one that is coming that would be bringing the power of God onto the scene of redemptive history, and that happened. And Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, uh, puts his feet on the ground, if you will, steps onto the scene, and then he is crucified, and then powerfully rises from the death from the dead, and we are on that Resurrection Sunday overlooking the banks of that. That makes then this Sunday kind of, I'm going to call it like a Joshua 3 kind of a Sunday. What do I mean by that? Well, God had promised a people to have a place, uh, so he powerfully brings a people out of Egypt, and um, he is about ready to do a work on them in providing them a place. And there they are on the banks of the Jordan River. They're overlooking the promised land, never have stepped foot in it as of yet. And there they are, ready to enter together into their going place, into their sending base place as it was supposed to be. And prior before their entering it, uh, the Lord in Joshua 3 says this to, uh, Joshua says to the people, he says this, then Joshua rose uh, early in the morning, and they set out from Shechem, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And at the end of three days, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua calls the people to kind of set aside the, the daily norms of things for a purpose time just to pause a purpose time to consider, a purpose time to examine and be ready for what the Lord is going to do before their eyes. And with next Sunday being Easter, uh, friends, it is uh, time for us to be ready together uh, for what is about to come in the coming Sunday. We've been in the book of Corinthians. We've been talking about what a together people looks like. Uh, at the end of Second Corinthians, the Apostle Paul uh, gives a Joshua-like call. He gives a Joshua-like call to the church in Corinth. In fact, if you would open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, it's page 971, I believe, if you're using one of the Bibles behind the seats there. A little context going into 2 Corinthians, because we haven't been in the book of 2 Corinthians. We've been in 1 Corinthians. Is, is this, God's people... Um, in the church in Corinth had received some information, some bad information from some false teachers really at the time, and they were telling them that, hey, uh, Paul really is not an apostle. Paul really is not one that should be speaking for the Lord. And so I think rightfully so, the church in Corinth actually uh, asked Paul, hey, Paul, can you prove yourselves on this? Because uh, we kind of have some issues, uh, questions are being raised about this. I love people that think, and I love people that want to know what truth is, and so that's what they're doing here. Uh, 
So we even find in chapter 13, verse 3, Paul says at the end of, he really kind of starts in chapter 10, saying, I want to humbly and kind of uncomfortably tell you what uh, this is all about here. Uh, He finishes in verse 3 in chapter 13, he says, uh, since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me. I mean, they're seeking proof, and so the context is as Paul is responding to their wanting proof from him, and I think this is so sweet and so cool uh, that Paul then takes that, and, and he says, hey, I've been talking about proof of me here in this, and I just wonder if while he's writing this down, he's actually remembering back to what the Lord has done in his life, and he's like, this is really cool. This is really an awesome moment here to remember and to take a look and actually ask myself the question, am I legit? Am I for real? And then Paul says right after this, verse 5. Look at verse 5, chapter 13. He turns it and he kind of says, hey, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves in this. Know this, uh, there's no way in the context of it that I think Paul is like irritated. It's like, how dare you ask me to prove myself? So now I'm going to push it back on you. You prove yourself because you're ticking me off. I don't think any of that's happening here. Paul is actually like, hey, you know, while we're on this idea of proving ourselves, I think this is a wise thing to do. Might I ask for you to consider you to prove yourself? By the way, it's interesting. We're not very good examiners of our, ourselves, but we oftentimes are professional examiners of other people. Um, let's turn that around today. Let's be examiners of ourselves today, and let's hear what he is trying to press into us here. It's interesting. He uses two verbs, examine and test. Both of them are stated in what's called an imperative form, In other words, he's not saying, you know, hey, you know, whenever you feel like or whatever, you know, if you do, you don't. I don't really care. He's not saying that. It's an imperative. It's kind of a, hey, I'm going to ask you to do something, and I'm really serious about this. You must do this. Uh, Examine yourself. Please, please examine yourself. And by the way, please test yourself. Examine. It means to inspect, to study, to analyze in detail. I've told some of our pastoral staff about some of my background, and, and I get teased on it. I've got a real hard life. And, uh, but just examining, back in my research and development days, uh, one of the things I was working on was uh, trying to figure out how to thaw plasma quickly. Plasma is frozen in very cold temperatures. It's got a whole bunch of parameters around it. I won't go into it. But I remember I spent literally months of my time, and what they would teach, tease me about is I would spend months of my time watching how plasma thaws. <laughs> what an exciting job. And I would look at that and I would see, because you have to have heat transfer, and how does that work? Do you use air? Do you use water? Do you use other kinds of things and in it? And, and, and watching it, and by the way, one of the, the, the interesting things is you want to get the plasma inside of the bag into a liquid form as fast as possible because oftentimes plasma is used for emergency uses to be putting in it. So how can you get that to go really fast with that? And, and so you're running to get rid of the ice in it. And actually what I began to find out was that as I'm watching this in my exciting days, 
days of it, watching it was, was as the ice is about a minute and a half, two minutes in, all of a sudden you have this chunk of ice where there's liquid inside, and it's like the enemy is the ice trying to get rid of that, but it come to find out by examining it, actually, that's the, the, that's the blessing right there. Why is that? Because when you can get that ice cube moving, having enough space to move inside of the bag, it actually is like a spoon inside, stirring it around, and you get faster heat transfer. And everybody had been watching around the bag what happens and forgot what's going on inside the bag what happens. And I'll just tell you, it it changed things dramatically. And now by getting that inside moving, you can thaw it significantly faster. Examine, watch, look, test, test. Don't just look at it and don't just look at it closely, but put pressure into it. Put heat on it and see what happens in it. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Examine, test why in order to see. In order to see. In order to see whether you are in the faith. What an impassioned call that Paul is getting here. Uh, Literally, it could be translated prove so as to approve. Prove so as to approve yourself. By the way, I think it's really important to understand that part of what Paul is saying here is the context of it. He's saying this to people who are in church. He's saying this to church people. I could say it this way. He's saying this to people that are hanging around Jesus and are hanging around Jesus' people. Hey, church, Jesus' people, People hanging around Jesus as people. Test yourselves. Examine yourselves to see. All of this sounds so much like Matthew 7. Let me just make reference to that here. Matthew 7. Uh, Jesus says here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven... On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Truly one of the most intense statements in all of Scripture I mean, wow, can you imagine that? Could you imagine thinking that you in relationship with Jesus is all great and wonderful and fine and you're even seeing the Lord doing things around you and maybe even through you and yet here in it, he's talking to people that are hanging with Jesus, if we could say. And he's saying to them that in it, it's like, hey, uh, can you imagine in the final day when all of a sudden it's like, I never knew you. I never knew you. Imagine the shock. Revelation 20, verse 15, if anyone's name is not written in the book of life, he or she was thrown into the lake of fire. Hey, friends, this is not scared straight, but this is serious day because we are on the banks of entering Easter Sunday and understanding the full power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Joshua and Paul say, pause, stop, stop, just pause. Pause the norm. 
Time to examine, time to test. Don't assume. Examine yourselves to see. So Lord, we do that. So we ask. Do a work that only you can do. Search us, O God, know our hearts. Try us, know our thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in us and lead us in the way of understanding. 1 Corinthians 11, let each one examine himself, examine herself. Let us judge ourselves rightly and truly. 2 Corinthians 13, Lord, we examine, we test to see. And we ask that you would do a work among us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It was uh, middle of February. Karen and I were getting ready to uh, go on a, uh, to a conference in Arizona in middle of February. Yeah, I know it sounds su- suffrage, doesn't it? It was the night before we were leaving. So the night before, what do you do? Well, you get packed. Night before, you check your ticket. Um, so I went and I checked our plane tickets. I had actually, uh, I was the one who researched them and got them together. And Karen was coming back a couple days later because she was going to stay out there for a few extra days and was coming back early. And um, she checked her email and her ticket was good. She had her ticket. Boom. That's encouraging. I went to check for mine. Looked in my church email. No, it's not there. Looked in my personal email. It's not there. Obviously, Travelocity completely messed up. (laughs) I couldn't find it anywhere. I mean, I am telling you, I remember I was interacting on the screen looking at the various options of flights and there's particular, we wanted to go out together because usually that's kind of how it works and then we, we wanted to, I was coming back at a certain time so we could kind of time things in a right kind of way and, and I will tell you all of a sudden it hit me, it's like total sense of panic. Apparently, I did all the research and in my mind, I had the ticket. Apparently, I had not hit confirm the reservation button. Now it's going to cost me. Yeah. (laughs) I had assumed wrong. Might I say it was a Matthew 7, Revelation 20, 15 kind of a moment of shock and fear. Now what do I do? Why did I assume all was good? Why didn't I just take a little bit of time before and make sure I had what I thought I knew? Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. By the way, Paul is talking about something far bigger than a plane ticket. Today, we stand on the banks of the Resurrection Sunday. And... uh, 
this would be a great time to examine ourselves and test ourselves and respond, wouldn't it? I think it would be a good thing. So here's what we're going to do. Out of 2 Corinthians, based on that, we're going to have four exam questions. Don't you love exams? Well, here's the deal. They're short questions, and they have one or two word answers. And uh, actually, we're going to be working it together here. So here we go. Four exam questions. Uh, Exam question number one. Biblically, what is my, what is your soul problem? Biblically, what is your, what is my, what is your soul, S-O-U-L, problem? Let me give you five verses that the Bible speaks on this. First one, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. By the way, how many have sinned? All. All. So that includes me, right? (laughs) It's okay. That includes me, right? Absolutely. Does that include you? It does, because all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. It's talking about a sin condition problem here, not like a singular sin issue. Another one, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. The, The earnings of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. It's talking about my sin condition has brought separation between myself and God. That's confirmed Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 is the next one. We're Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he's saying, hey, to those believers there, hey, you were spiritually dead in your sins upon sins. You were in a condition of sins upon sins and you were spiritually dead, Ephesians 2.1. Another verse, Isaiah 59.2. Isaiah 59.2. Your iniquities have, brought, have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins, your sin condition has hidden his face from you so that he cannot hear. Listen, friends, I understand God is a God of extreme love. Okay, right? Uh, We clearly understand that from Scripture, but God is a holy God. And the fact of the matter is, is His love and His holiness are not in conflict. They are perfect union together. And His holiness in that reality, it says, listen, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He cannot hear. Why? Because of His holiness. But He loves, but He's holy. Final verse that really says it, Habakkuk 1.13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Exam question. Biblically, what is my soul problem? And the answer, one word is sin. It's that simple. All have sinned. All have sinned and all are separated from God because of our core sin problem at the very reality of it. Exam question number two. Biblically, what is my soul singular, S-O-L-E, soul solution? Six passages here. Biblically, there's only one singular solution to your and to my sin problem. John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus said, truly, truly, that's like, no, listen, listen, like this is true, true. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
And then at verse 9, he says, I am the door. If, any, if anyone enters by me, he or she will be saved. He is the door. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. By the way, and I can confirm with you that the Greek has a definite article in there. Not a way, not a life. He is the truth, the life, the way. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name. I mean, are you saying that all other religions uh, do not meet God? I'm telling you that is such a concocted and absolutely ridiculous thesis. Because every religion is in contrast to the other. It is not true. Look at the source of them. And the Bible is the only one that says you can come to the Lord by faith in Christ. It is the only one where you cannot earn it. Getting ahead of myself. I'm too cranked up. There is no one else, no other name, the Bible says. You have to understand that. Romans 5, 6, another verse. But while we were still sinners, at the right time, I love that, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Free gift. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. In fact, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17 is so often forgotten. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Biblically, what is my sole singular solution? The answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Now think about it. There is a problem and there is a solution. Now, in in medicine, the solution does not just automatically jump onto the problem. Just because there's a solution out there doesn't mean it's automatically applied to the problem. Same thing in business. Same thing in relationships. Just because there's a solution to a problem does not mean that it automatically resolves the problem. So exam question number three, biblically, how is my soul problem, my S-O-U-L problem solved? If I have a problem and there is a solution, here we go, six passages, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. For we are His workmanship. If you know Christ Jesus as as your Savior, you are a piece of work by God. John 1.12 But to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. 
1 John 5, 11 to 13, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I mean, it doesn't get too much clearer than that, does it? Okay, it does, because Revelation 3.20 gives us an illustration. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. I will eat with her. It's this idea. Listen, here's what's going on. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the grave, is knocking on your heart door. Picture it, that he's on the patio, he's on the porch, and he's knocking. And what he is not asking for is a conversation between a screen door. He's not asking to be kept out on the porch and having some kind of uh, fake idea of a relationship through the door. He's knocking for the reason to come in, but he is not going to cram himself through the door and push himself on anyone. But he is knocking, and he has the gift of himself. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess, by the way, I'm just out on the table. The reason (laughs) I am so burdened today about this is because as a pastor who teaches week in and week out, and Jesus says, Some will call to me, Lord, Lord, and yet he will say, I never knew you. I cannot tell you how that burdens me for you. That someone in their own thinking would think that they're in a right place with the Lord and yet they're not. Oh God, I don't want that to happen. Bear with me. (laughs) It's too big of a deal. This is about eternity. And this is about now. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and turn that your sins may be blotted out. Biblically, how is my soul problem solved? Answer, repent and receive Christ. Repent and receive. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. When one repents, when they see their sin condition and repents of that and receives Jesus Christ as their sole solution, that is when the solution is applied to the problem. (laughs) 
Listen, this is not about some repeat after me mantra statement that now I'm part of the club. This is way bigger than that. Do you have such a story? I mean, I'm not talking about where you've just kind of like come to learn things. I'm talking about there comes a point in time where it stopped dating Jesus. And it's like it's time to confess him and receive him and repent of sin. Do you have a story like that? Because if you don't have a story like that, just straight up with you, honest with it, I'm really concerned for you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will go to the door and open the door, oh, I will come in. Mark chapter 4. It's fourth soil. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about the second and the third soil where one, even in the terminology there, Jesus says receives Christ and then after a short bit of time is then all of a sudden out and about because of the cares of the world or because like life with Christ isn't easy. Soils two and three. Jesus is like, no, I'm talking against that. That's not what it is. Hey, those kind of situations, those kind of folks need to be in a place where they really are really nervous. They're flying standby. As Pastor Lutzer mentioned last week. Instead, it's the fourth soil. It's the soil that receives the seed, the word of God, Jesus Christ. I receive it and I pull it in and, and, and I'm, the, I'm the soil. And then when it comes in, it's, it's, I'm putting all of me into that. It's not about the dirt, it's about the seed. And it's putting myself and who I am. And it's, there comes a time when I drive a stake. Receive, Lord. I receive you, Lord. I open the door. I repent and I receive. Do you have such a story? Because if you don't, today's the day. Because if you don't have such a story, you're in trouble. Examination question number four, biblically, what is to follow? First one only here, and then we'll finish the rest of them a little bit. First one, baptism. Pastor Lutzer, as I mentioned, he gave the illustration of last Sunday of someone flying standby versus flying with a ticket. When you fly standby, it's kind of the Matthew 7 situation. There's no confidence. There's no security. You're always on the edge of the seat in the, in the gate there, right? Am I going to get it? Am I going to get it? Am I going to get it? Hey, that's a horrible place to live, and that's not where Jesus wants you to be living. In fact, there's a ticket that's available. It's fully paid. It's free. And when you repent and receive, you got the ticket. To relationship with Jesus Christ. By the way, what's the first thing you would think at a gate when all of a sudden you get a ticket like that, the first thing you're going to be doing? I think the first thing you'd be doing is turning around to the rest of the people at the gate who are, know that you're waiting in line for kind of a ticket, and it's like, whoa, got a ticket. Am I right? That's what baptism is about. So here's the deal. Today, if you've never come to the place where you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you want to know that you know that you know. 
We're going to have some people at the back of the room. Some of our small group leaders are going to be back there that have already been talked to about this. They're going to be back there, and we're going to get up and sing together here in just a second. I'm just going to ask, would you just get up and just go and, and, and just sit down with one of them and say, I, I need to know that I know that I know because I'm flying standby right now. No, I don't want to be there. By the way, maybe you're at a place today where you've come to Christ and you've known Christ and, and you've never been baptized. You've never been able to say, Woo, everybody at the gate! The Lord has redeemed me. By the way, we have no one scheduled today. No one's on the schedule, but we've got this horse tank over here and we would love to see you go down in it if you've never been baptized. By the way, I want for you to you know we have clothes for you. Yeah, we have everything for you. And today could be a day where right now, today's a day where, you know what? It's time. So could I have this? Could I have those small group leaders? No. Uh, could they go ahead? Could we have the worship team come up, get in place here? And uh, I'm just going to ask for the Lord to do a work here. And while we sing, if you want to talk with someone, we've got some of our, I believe, some of our teen ministry leaders. We've got some of our small group adult leaders. And uh, just go, go back on your way out and, and just say, hey, I, I just want to talk for a couple minutes. Maybe today's the day where you receive Christ as your Savior. And it's like, and baptized in the same day. By the way, would that not be like really cool to be able to have some people who receive the Lord? Would that not be cool? And by the way, if there is no one that does or no one that gets baptized today, listen, it is a reminder of what the Lord is doing, right? Okay? So let's stand. Lord, I would pray now if there's anyone you're moving on their heart where they just are like, I, I, need, I need to drive the stake in the ground with Christ. I've been learning. I've been hanging around. I've even been a part of this church for a long period of time. But God, I don't have a story. I don't have a story like that where I receive, where I repent of my sinful condition and I receive Christ as my Savior. Oh God, today's the day. And I pray that they would just be going right now, grabbing a hold of someone and you'd be doing a work. Lord, maybe there's someone who's never been baptized and they've always been nervous about getting up in front of people. I totally get that. I really do. And I might just pray, today's the day to tell everyone at the gate, got a ticket and I'm thrilled about it. And we'll rejoice. I would just ask that they would just go ahead and go. Lord, this isn't about the numbers part of that part of it, but God, this is about souls. And we don't want anyone confused, anyone left out, anyone uh, to be able to stand before you and be able to say in this room, I never knew what it took to know Jesus as my Savior. Oh God, now they do. I pray. To work. Go ahead and take your seat. We've got two more blanks to fill in. Um, but here we are in the bank of Easter Sunday. And I pray that what we just sang, uh, assuming you know Christ is your Savior within your soul, that you are just thrilled to capacity. That he would redeem me, that he would redeem you. Oh my. Search us, O oh God. Know our heart, try us, know our thoughts, see if there's any grievous way in us and leave us, lead us in the way of everlasting. Examine yourselves, test yourselves see whether you are in the faith. Hey, good news. I, uh, I had a ticket. I still to this day 
not quite know why that uh, somehow it obviously got lost in my email box. And um, I don't know. Maybe that's a little where you're at today. Maybe it's kind of in a place to where it's like, you know what? I, I've come to Christ as my Savior, and, and, uh, and yet maybe in things you've gotten a little bit lost. I want for you to know that you cannot unreserve yourself. He loves you. And in our continued brokenness, he does a work. Okay? Question number one, what is my soul problem? Answer? Number two, what is my soul singular solution? How is my soul problem solved? Mm -hmm. Fourth, biblically, what is to follow? Baptism is. Uh, Let me just mention two other things. Uh, Maturity. Maturity. Um, And by the way, we will never become fully mature in Christ. I wish I could (laughs) because that would be sweet. Because the process of maturing is really hard. And yet that's where we're in. We're in a process of growth. Uh, If you will, turn to Colossians 2. Colossians, and let me just read you two verses here on this idea of maturing. I already mentioned about Mark 4 and the fourth soil and the seed falls into the soil. It's been soil that's been turned up. It's ready to receive the seed and and it it receives the seed and then begins to put itself into the seed. That's what we're talking about. Our job is to be putting ourselves into Christ. We're not earning more. We're responding to the work that the Lord has done. And as we pour who we are, our soil, our nutrients, the the water and so forth, as we put that into the soil, uh, the word, Jesus Christ, begins to to grow out of that. And and I'll tell you, it's a sad thing when you see a tiny little tree that just stays a tiny little tree with no maturity or growth in it, right? You're like, that poor little sapling. Come on, man. It's not supposed to be that way. And pictures it here in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, by the way, which is a process in coming to understand who Christ is, therefore, as you came to receive Christ out of coming to know him, the, the Lord so walk in him. It's rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thankfulness. It's this idea of, listen, when I come to Christ, I don't have the ticket and that's it. It's when I come to Christ, I've driven the stake in the ground and I've received and out of that I pour into. And I'm to see growth and maturity from that. And over the days and the weeks and the months and the years, I increase in understanding the Lord. And that includes a lot of failures in walking with the Lord. A lot of times tripping and stepping and getting hit by snowballs that are unknown about. But yet, I'm continuing to walk in. I'm continuing to grow in. Might I just say today, is is that describing you? Is that describing you with the heart of, listen, this whole thing of like, easy come to Jesus, and then you're good, and there's no, listen, soils two and three, the fruit afterward confirms the reality of repenting and receiving. 
What comes later confirms and shows and is an encouraging reality to that. And I would just say, if you're not seeing growth in yourself, you're probably uh, wondering, like, what's going on even with you? Listen, we're called to walk with Christ. We're called to grow in Christ. We're called to be on a journey with Christ. Growing and, and, and increasing and learning. Is that you? And maybe today as you examine and test yourself, maybe not. And if that's not the case in you, I'm just going to ask today, or a little later, we're just going to have a couple minutes of prayer time. I'm just going to ask that you might repent of that. And confess that before the Lord. And let's walk. Another one, uh, especially guys, 1 Corinthians 16. Love this one. This is the act like men verse. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Kind of gives this idea of maturity. In it, it says... Chapter 16, verse 13, it says, be watchful. That's that idea that we talked about early in the start of the year. Be ready, be ready, be watchful, looking around. Because listen, this, this is not a game, this is real. It's be watchful, but also stand firm in the faith. Because you're going get, to get some wind blowing. You're going to get pushed around a bit in life. And you're going to be hit upside the head at times with some things that you weren't expecting. And even at times, don't doubt of, of things. And it's be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. It's the idea, the Greek word there has the idea of uh, be, be, be valiant, be courageous. It's kind of like in Joshua, be strong and courageous. That's it, I love that. Guys, act like a man. Men like stand and are like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm walking in my faith, like none of this sissy stuff, man. This is like no sissy Jesus stuff. This is maturing and this is man stuff. This is woman stuff. Warrior stuff with the Lord. Be watchful, standing firm in the faith, acting like men. Be strong, not like showing off strong, but be strong in the Lord. That's where the strength comes. Let all that you do be done in love. It's not like Christian brutes walking around, flexing their ridiculous muscles in front of everybody, looking how awesome I am. Instead, it's this whole idea in this that it's like, listen, we're strong in Christ and who he is. Christ is a man's man, a woman's man, kind of a thing. And it's in that, and yet all is done in love, agape. Remember? Loving the Lord, loving others called to maturity. I just want to say today, maybe if you're stuck, this would be a great time together the Sunday before Easter just to say, Lord, it's time for me to stand up and step out. The Lord would love that. Maybe you're in a prodigal son, prodigal daughter reality. I just say this, repent and come home. Just come home. The wonderful thing is the father's waiting there with his arms wide open. In fact, he runs after. Too often it's us people that make it hard for prodigals to return. If you're in a Peter-like situation, it's been kind of denial, 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 denial. Hey, come back. Lord loves you. If you are in Christ, you are His. Maybe you're in a Psalm 13.
How long, O oh Lord? How long? Seriously, Lord, how long? The end of chapter 13. He says, but I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Isn't that wonderful? And the hurt of it and the confusion of it and the whatever of it, it might be for you. If you know Christ, he has dealt bountifully with you. Sing in that. Today's sing time. Come back, sing. Maturity. Lastly, called the community. But our whole recent series has been about God has ordained relationship. Sin has brought brokenness to relationship. And we are called to relationship. Those three theological truths. And 2 Corinthians 12 and 13 talks about a people that are unified plurality, the divinely empowered, that are agapeing the living lights out of one another. That's what should be taking place. Church is just not like, okay, whatever. I just want to say this lovingly to you. Listen, if, if you do not have a church home and you're looking for a church home, look, 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 find a church home, but there comes a time where stop dating the church and commit. And plant your feet there. I promise you, there is no perfect church. And this is not the one that is perfect. All right? I got that. Trust me. I know that. But sink your feet down into a place. And if you haven't done that, if you're dabbling with it, commit. If you've been here, become a member. I don't have time to go into that today. But it's just it's something about saying, this is my home. Under this place, under these people, under the pastors and elders of this church, I place myself under for the care and I serve here and I make it my home. Matthew 22, love the Lord and love others. Philippians 1.27 and community, side by side, arm in arm together is the picture of it. Proverbs 27.17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man, one woman sharpens another. Called the community. You don't have a church home, or this is your church home, but you haven't committed. Commit. Make it a priority. It's important. Also, add with that serve. Serve where your faith family needs you. We need you serving. There's an epidemic in the local church that's going on where it's I serve where I most want to serve. Boy, that just does not fit 1 Corinthians 12 at all. Serve, be a part. Serving with the kids is hard. Amen? Did it for five years and heading up a church ministry. It's hard and exhausting. Just this last week, I had someone talk to me and say, your church has more men in its children's ministry than any church ministry I've ever been to. I was a proud senior pastor. Kids need to see men. serve. I'll say give. And the Lord's been so good to us financially. That's not why I say it. It's because it's out of that place that is one more walking reality of where my heart is before the Lord. Give. Get in a small group. Listen, small groups are first and foremost about being in a place where you can do life together with someone. The material itself is secondary, just straight up with you. It's about being with a group of people where we can commit ourselves as believers in Christ to walk and to grow together. 
in a small group, go on an international trip. You want to have your life changed? Get out of this country. And go see not only what the Lord is doing in other places, but also just go see what life is like in other places. And we, you will sing, for the Lord has blessed us bountifully. Called the maturity, called the community. I just want to take a time of some silent prayer here. Um, take two, three minutes. I'm just going to ask that uh, God's people, you would just come face down before the Lord if you want to kneel at your seat, if you want to just bow your head and pray, but we're just going to take some time here right now for the Lord to do a work among us. Come before the Lord. He wants to hear from you. He loves you, right? He loves you. And so, Lord, we come now.